as I'm looking down and we're looking down, you could hear the violence on the streets. You could hear domestic violence in the windows. You could see stabbings. I could see murders in the street. I could see people yelling at one another, hating one another. And there was no love there. And he said to me, can you feel it? And I said, yes, I can. All that energy, all that nastiness and violence and the horrible way we treat each other, all that energy spits out up into the universe and it rains down on all of us and we all suffer because of it. We're all connected. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Hi everyone, I'm Karina Machado, host of Spirit Sisters, the podcast. It's great to have you back, and if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. Today's episode is the conclusion of my two-part interview with Sonia St. Clair. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please scroll down and check that one out first so that you can grasp Sonia's full story. To briefly recap, when Sonia and her twin sister Sandra were babies, Their mother handed them over to the first of five orphanages the girls would live in until age 14, when Sonia almost died in the nun's care, leading to a profound near-death experience. The girls suffered physical and sexual abuse all their young lives. Throughout, however, Sonia never lost her connection to the divine, an ongoing conversation which she's written about in her book, God's Messages which documents a lifetime of guidance and hope she's received, even during the darkest times. In this conversation, Sonia shares more about the healing effects of meeting her mother's spirit and the encounter she had as a teenager with the spirit of her late brother. She tells us about meeting God in a profound meditation, her thoughts on the ripple effects of our energy and the immense power of prayer. At the end, she shares her heartfelt message for anyone who's suffered as she has. This is the harrowing story of one courageous woman, and some details may be upsetting. This episode mentions suicide. If you need support, please contact Lifeline in Australia on 13 11 14. The organisation No More, K-N-O-W-M-O-R-E, also offers free legal advice and support to survivors of institutional child sexual abuse. Please visit nomore.org.au or call them on 1800 605 762. That's 1800 605 762. If you or someone you know is experiencing family violence, phone 1800 RESPECT in Australia. 
Finally, I'm dedicating this episode to the children who've died in institutional care in Australia and around the world. We don't know their names, but they are not forgotten. The episode picks up as Sonia reveals more about the fascinating extended reunion with her mother's spirit that offered an opening into forgiveness and healing. And at what point in your life did this happen? How old were you? How how long after your mum had passed away did this occur? Mum um, passed away. I was in my mid-40s and this was about six years later. She died in 1992, 26th of October. So this was roughly um, six years later. So I would have been about 48. Yeah, she just hung there. Oh, wow. And (laughs) you said she looked beautiful. Was she presenting as a younger woman? Yeah, she looked about 30. She was strikingly beautiful. She was heavenly. She was godlike. You could tell she was with God because, oh, gee, her energy was absolutely amazing. It was like when I had my near-death experience, the 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 energy of the love is absolutely incredible and she had that. She was so filled with love. She said to me, I am in God's world now. She said, I am so filled with love. And I was so happy for her because she never knew love either. Physical, you know, fleeting mm-hmm. love with with men, but she never knew love either. And I was so happy that she was in God's world and with God and that she was finally filled with love. And I was so happy for her and I was so happy for her to share that with me. We talked about different things, you know, my children and, you know, um, I told her how unhappy I was in the beginning and that, that I was so glad that she come to see me and I told her I was scared that she was there, but yet I was so happy she was there. And So were you speaking with your voice and she was answering telepathically or is this a, a completely telepathic communication? It was, I think, I think in the beginning I, I think in the beginning I said, Oh shit! <laughs> that, that that was not telepathically. And, uh, I, I mean, it was quite the shock, quite the surprise. And then in the end, the conversation just became telepathically. I didn't have to speak because mm-hmm. she already knew. I already knew. You know, you already, you know, like God knows already what you're going to say, what you're going to do. And it was like she already knew what I was going to say, what I was going to do. So the conversation just flowed telepathically and, um, yeah, it was so astonishing and I was so, I mean, I always loved mum, I never hated her and I always wanted to hear those words and I heard them. But, oh, my God, she was just so incredibly beautiful, absolutely stunningly beautiful, beauty that you don't see on this earth and the beauty was the love. Beauty was the love. That's the beauty. The beauty was the love. She was so filled with so much love. That's the beauty. I guess what our listeners don't know yet is that this was only the first time that you saw her, but she actually went on to come back nightly, I think it was. Was it 
every night for about three weeks? Yes, every night for three weeks she spoke to me, but through the day she was still there. I couldn't see her the day, but I felt her and we spoke to each other the day. But it was nighttime when I saw her. But daytime, she used to help me with my children. We used to have conversations. I'd say, are you there, Mum? She'd say, yes. And, um, and then of the night, when the lights went out and I was in bed, there she was at my bed again. And we would just be talking about love and forgiveness and, you know, her being sorry again and her telling me how much she loved me. She couldn't tell me enough how much she loved me and that just made me feel, oh, that I was loved. You know, even 48, I'm being loved from above. It still meant a lot. It's like you're squeezing into three weeks a lifetime of mother-daughter relationship that was not possible when your mum was on the earth plane. No. And and that's why I say it's, it's an experience unlike any I've ever heard because three weeks of nightly apparitions and you're seeing her clearly I just can't even begin to imagine it it's just I know yeah you know like people find this all very um you know extraordinary but really it's ordinary you know to speak to the other side yes it's ordinary speak to the other side and have them speak to you we're all capable of this you know if you want it badly enough ask for it and believe that it will happen and just ask for it and believe that these things can happen. And um, it really isn't extraordinary. It really is is normal. And, and you know, as we as I said before, we are all connected and I was still connected to my mother and there she was. I just think it's ordinary to to be able to do that. And and we're all capable of, you know, but we, we get caught up with earth stuff and so what other things did your mum reveal to you in these uh, three weeks that you spent together of a night and of a day and how healing was this for you? It was extremely healing. It was very much healing. I mean, I always loved mum and I loved her even more after that, but she didn't reveal anything, you know, amazing to me like, you know, uh she didn't foretell anything to me about the universe or anything like that. There was no great revelation. It was just her, I guess it was just her being my mother and um, the nightly conversations were mainly about love and loving me and that's what I wanted. I mean, I, if, I, if I'd have had any sense, if I'd have realised at the time, I could have asked her so much about God and revealing things to me and asking her about what is my future? How will I end up, Mum? You know, what is going to happen to me? You know, what what will I do? What is my purpose? I should have been asking her these questions, but I didn't. I was so um, shocked at her coming in the first place and seeing her and being caught up in, you know, her love for me and telling me all the time, reassuring me that she loved me and was sorry and, 
and and there was really no other conversation apart from our daily you know my daily life with my kids you know we we would crack a joke occasionally and and um mum had a great sense of humor and uh, apparently not that i saw much of it but apparently she had a great sense of humor and um you know there was no great revelation i wish there was if i could go back i would ask her a lot of questions about a lot of things but um, I didn't have the knowledge, you know, that I have now about things that I could ask her. Maybe I wasn't meant to know anyway. Well, that's the thing. As you said, you were just enjoying having your mum there to yes. talk about everyday things, to talk about the children, and you were very much in the moment of just simply enjoying this absolutely amazing experience although as you say you know we all do have access to these experiences but it's whether you know I guess there are many factors that come into play there but but also this um, wasn't your first experience of seeing spirits Sonia I know that you saw your brother when you were 22 and maybe if you could just also tell us how many siblings were in the family and what happened with with this moment when you saw the spirit of your brother well, siblings in the family, my mother had eight children. Two two were born dead. My brother died when I was 15. He died in our house when I was 15 years old. Shot himself to death with a twenty two rifle. Oh, my goodness, Sonia. He was a terribly um, unhappy man. He, too, couldn't get past his stuff. And that's the trouble when we're not loved as children. We all end up with so much stuff that a lot of us can't survive it and we choose to take ourselves out. And um, he was a very unhappy man. He survived two hours after shooting himself and then he died. I didn't know him that well, you know, being raised in orphanages, I, I didn't know him that well at all. But when I was 22, I was at my sister's house and... Um, my sister is a very, one of my sisters is a very strict Catholic and she asked me if I would go into the bedroom with her and say the rosary and I said yes. So when we went and then um, one of her children was crying and so she went out to see to him and uh, she said I'll be back in a minute and I sat on the bed with my hands on the rosary and then the next minute I saw my brother between two candles that were lit on a table and he was just appeared to be from the chest up he was in a white robe and he was like mum very um he, you could see through him but he was very much defined actually I saw more of him he looked more human than mum did I saw more of him more outline more definition he never spoke to me, though. I just said to him, I said, hello, Joey. But he didn't answer me, but he looked at me and he, the peace on his face was incredible. He also looked godlike, heavenly, and he was just at peace. His face was beautiful. He was a very a ruggedly good-looking man when he was alive. But again, he was extremely good-looking when I saw him. He just looked so beautiful. Again, the beauty is in the love that he was filled with. 
he just looked at me and I think maybe he might have been trying to tell me that he was sorry because the night before he died, we were wrestling and I was only 15 and he got a bit rough and I felt I was being manhandled. Triggered me a lot about my childhood and I went to bed and did say I never said goodnight to him at all and I was upset. And I think he, I sort of felt he was trying to tell me he was sorry for the night before. That's what I felt. But, oh, he was so at peace. He just looked so beautiful. And it's nice to know. I mean, a lot of people say they go into different places when people kill themselves and they go to these other horrible places. I don't know about all that. But he was certainly with God because he looked so heavenly and so beautiful and so much at peace. They just have a different look about them. What a wonderful experience to have and something that's coming through your story is the, the beauty in these otherworldly experiences and how that contrasts with the earthly experiences that, um, that you had. Now, I wonder about your, your twin, Sandra. So she passed away a few years ago now. Has she visited you and how does your bond with her endure? She hasn't visited me, but I've heard her. She has spoken to me. I was having a, a lot of pain and I had a, a friend over. She was a massage therapist and I was laying on the massage bed and she was massaging my uh, muscles, trying to help me with the arthritis. I was laying there and I just felt so upset about everything and about life and about Sandra being gone and it took me a very long time to get over her death and I was thinking about how I could go and how I could leave this world because I was so unhappy and my sister said to me sis you have to stay and I thought what (laughs) again I thought what she said you have to stay. And I thought, oh, okay, I have to stay. And I thought, well, I don't know why I have to stay. I wish you would tell me why I have to stay, but she didn't. She was the only one that ever called me sis. So I heard those words from her. When I did hear those words, I realised later on that I was feeling very guilty that she's dead and I'm here. And I sort of felt released that I could now live and not be so upset by her death because I was grieving for around seven years and I just couldn't get past it. So it sort of felt like she gave me permission to live. That way I could really let her go and release her too and that it was okay for me to go on and live. So it's not my time to go. Obviously, I've got stuff to do here, stuff to learn. I treasure that moment, though, that I heard her voice, but I haven't seen her. I have felt her several times. I know she's here, but I'm yet to see her, and I'm hoping one day that I do get to see her as well. 
that's so beautiful that she gave you that release in that moment. There's also a moment, and I'm not sure where it falls in the chronology of your story, Sonia, but you had a really powerful out-of-body experience during a meditation. Could you share? I was wondering if you could share that with us and what you saw and what it taught you. Again, that was in my 40s. I was in deep meditation for about two hours. And I had an out-of-body experience. I left my body and I floated up into the universe. I kept floating up and up through the stars. Everything was black. I just kept going and going until I saw God on top of a cloud. It appeared to be a cloud, although it was way, way past, you know, any cloud. But it appeared to be cloud-like that he was standing on. And he was in a white robe holding a staff. And he had white hair and white beard. And he was just so almighty, just so powerful, so beautiful. And I floated up and I stood by him. And we were both, he was looking down at the earth. And I stood there with him and I looked down with him. And the earth that I saw, the part of the earth that I saw was actually New York which I never mentioned in my book, but it was New York that we were looking at because I could see all these yellow taxis coming and going and the hustle and the bustling of a new of the city of New York. As I'm looking down and we're looking down, you could hear the violence on the streets. You could hear domestic violence in the windows. You could see stabbings. I could see murders in the street. I could see people yelling at one another, hating one another, being horrible to one another. And there was no love there. I didn't see any love, any kindness, any care or thought for another human being. And that was the picture I saw, and that's the picture we were looking at. And he said to me, can you feel it? And I said, yes, I can. And so... What he was saying was all that energy, all that nastiness and violence and the horrible way we treat each other, all that energy spits out up into the universe and it rains down on all of us and we all suffer because of it. So this is why love is so important because there's not much love happening. message I want to get out. There's not much love happening. And the vitriol, the the abuse, the the hatred, the venom, the jealousy, the 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 greed, all that affects all of us worldwide. Even the good people, it affects everyone. It affects each and every one of us. And there's also the connection. We're all connected. And so what you're feeling or doing affects me somehow, some way, Mm. because of that energy. So if there's a lot of people in this world that aren't being loved and treated in a loving, kind way, we're all feeling that. That's all energy. And that all goes up into the universe and it rains down on all of us. And that was my experience on that day. And that just goes to show you. We are all connected. If we weren't connected, I wouldn't be feeling what you're feeling. You wouldn't be reacting to what I was feeling. 
if we were separate, total separate entities, you wouldn't feel what I'm feeling. We'd be like robots. That is such a powerful depiction of the way that our actions, our words, our thoughts affect others. Nothing is in a vacuum. It strikes me that it is. it could offer an explanation for why people suffer. You know, when people ask that question that we do hear asked very often, especially in these circles where we discuss these kinds of stories and experiences, the question of why there is suffering on earth is is the one that is asked very frequently. Your example there, Sonia, does offer an explanation and that is as and it comes back to what you said early on, it's humans' actions. That's right, and that's the problem. You know, for each action, there's a consequence, not only for that person, but how we, how people are treating one another in another country affects us in this country and every other country around the world. You've only got to look at today what's going on. We are all affected and we all suffer the actions of what people are doing. We're all affected. And we all sit back and wonder why, 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 why is this happening to me? What's happening? And it's all energy. We don't understand it because we can't see it and can't feel it. But it's happening. It's all energy. And we're feeling it all right. We just don't know where it's coming from. Feeling everything. Everyone's pain in this world, we're feeling it. Everyone's happiness in this world, we're feeling it. Everyone's kindness in this world, we're feeling it. If you're kind to one person, they're going to feel so uplifted and so worthy. They're going to pass that on to someone else. And it goes on and on and on, the ripple effect, like the pay it forward effect. And this is what I try to get across in my book so much. It's all about love. And if we pray and love one another, the whole world would be so different. Our lives would be so different. But we're so interested in the iPad, the iPhone, the TV, the telephone, what's happening out there, what, what, oh, you know, all this stuff, stuff, stuff. We need more stuff. What we need is prayer and what we need is love. If we were all to pray and love one another, we would have a whole different world, a whole different experience. And this is the power and the importance of prayer and love. And that's the missing link in this world today. I guess in the same way that you were showing that the negative effects of our words and our actions reach out to the whole world, in the same way the positive effects of good actions and of prayer also reach out to the whole world touch them so so that's the i guess how we can uh, mitigate the negativity i want to talk more about the chapter in your book god's messages that you dedicate entirely to the power of prayer but before we do that i think it's important to actually talk in general about god's messages what the book is what inspired you to write it Oh, for about 15 years now, I've always wanted to write a spiritual book, but I didn't know where to start or what to write. And so last year, I decided to put pen to paper and I thought, well, here goes. I'll just write what I know spiritually. 
And so I started writing again about my past life, but the the PG version, <laughs> PG version is in God's messages. I don't want to traumatise any more people with this book. And uh, just to set the reader up to where I've come from and to what I know now and why I'm writing what I'm writing. And I just decided to write the messages that I've received from God all my life to put that down on paper and share that with others. And um, it was not something that I advertised with what I could do. So I just wanted to put it on paper and try and spread the message of love and that God does speak to all of us and he is trying to contact all of us all the time. He is talking to us and it's whether we, you know, are hearing him and acting on what his messages are. So I decided last year was the right time and um, I wrote the book again to try and spread the word of love, kindness and forgiveness and that God is real and that life is a much more happier one with God in your life. That's why I wrote the book, trying to get this message out. And I think it's important to point out to our audience as well that this, uh, and you you write about this as well in God's Messages, it's not a religious book and it's not a religious message. You focus a lot on the the importance of love and kindness and that essentially is what you're getting at when you talk about God. Yes. Yes, it's not a, it's not a religious book at all. It, it, it's a spiritual book. And it's a, it's about God, love, kindness and forgiveness, and that's what it's about. You know, if more people had God in their lives and um, was more loving and kind and forgiving to others, you know, our whole existence would be different, not only ours, but the, would help the rest of the world as well. I mean, I grew up in a Catholic orphanage and with the Catholic religion, and, and um, I, I find religion limiting. You know, you have to believe certain things and think in a certain way and 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 um, you have these limits and boundaries that I don't believe in, that I believe in God. I don't believe in religion. That's a diff- So I just think of myself as a spiritual person, not a religious person, because there are a lot of things um, with religion that I don't believe in. A lot of the judgments that they believe in, I don't believe in. Because um, God loves all of us, no matter who we are, what we are. He loves us whether we're straight, gay, black, white, brindle. He doesn't care. We're all his children. I, I, I'd rather think more spiritually than religiously. That's just my opinion. What I'm interpreting, Sonia, from what you're saying is that somebody could declare themselves an atheist, but... If they're loving their neighbour, loving themselves, taking care of one another, you know, that's really all that matters. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. I mean, people, people, can, people can be atheists. They can be whatever they want, not love God. He's still loving you anyway. But if you're loving and kind and you're raising happy, healthy children and you're kind to your wife and you're loving, it doesn't matter that you're not going to church every week. It's what you're doing all week at home every day. It's your actions, not your words. You know, people can go to church and get on their knees for an hour and talk to God, but through the week, what are they doing? 
And who better than you, Sonia, to know this, the treatment that you received at the hands of some very disturbed nuns and and other people who purported to be to be godly so i wonder if you can share with us some of your favorite messages or stories from your book god's messages the favorite message of course is the uh the most powerful energy in the world is love we get back to love again and because that's what makes the world go round and that's what everyone needs that's what everyone wants that's what everyone wants to feel is that they're loved and um, that's the most powerful message in the book for me and also the most uh, the other message is prayer and that um, people might say well define prayer prayer is every word you speak um, you don't just say well I'm going to sit down and pray now because that counts but what really counts is every word that comes out of your mouth all day and all night and that is what is significant and every word we speak is a prayer every every word that we say to somebody else is a prayer so whatever you're praying for is what you're going to receive so people need to think about that in the consciousness that you're dwelling in what you're thinking about that is going to be the experience you have yes Right. Yes, what you speak, even in the Bible it says, and I don't know much about the Bible at all, but it, he, God says, as a man thinketh, he shall be. And so every word, every thought is what's important and every word that we speak is what ends up in our lives because that's what we've prayed for. And although we haven't said, oh, this is a prayer, No, it is a prayer. Every word is a prayer. And this is what people don't understand. You don't just sit and pray for half an hour. Every word you say is a prayer because every word you speak is what's being offered up to God, not just that 10 minutes in prayer. And, of course, this was shown to you so powerfully in that out-of-body experience where you saw the the ripple effects of the negative actions and... Yeah. You can have a lot of men abusing their wives all week and they're at Mass every Sunday. That doesn't mean anything. It, it means nothing. Given that prayer is uh, a continual thing, I was wondering if you have a spiritual practice or a, or a specific kind of prayer practice nonetheless that helps to ground you and connect you to the divine. Yes, there is something I say. I say every morning, I say, Good morning, God. <laughs> Hello, God. And um, there is a prayer that I like very much, and it's called I send divine love and peace to all mankind, Mother Earth, and all God's creatures. And that's a little prayer that I say all the time because that covers everybody and everything and every living thing on the planet. And that's, that's my favourite prayer rather than, you know, on my knees and I can't get on my knees anymore anyway because because of the arthritis. Yes. So, you know, I just talk to him. I, the ritual that I have, I, I just I just talk to him like he's my father. I just talk to him. I, I don't set up a certain place or sit in a certain place. I just talk to him all day, 
all the time and I ask him for advice and guidance and I say to him, if I want to know something, can you show me the way? I mean, is there a sign on to I just talk to him daily and, and most people I know don't even know that I do this because it's not my only conversation. And have you received any insights to do with the current worldwide crisis, the COVID-19 crisis that we're all experiencing? Have you have you had any thoughts, guidance received or what what do you believe about that? Well, again with that meditation, what what's happening in China? is raining down on all of us. We are all suffering because of it. A lot of people believe, you know, that this can be the beginning of the end. I don't believe in the apocalypse. I believe the world all will always go on. It's 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 evolution and we're always evolving. And because of our actions, yet again, because of our actions, we all suffer the consequences and this is the result of people being so far removed from God, this is the consequences. It's about greed. It's about power. It's about money. And the COVID-19 has come. It will go, probably come back again. It will go and life goes on. And I think it's a wake-up call for many, many people to sit back and reflect and think, why is this happening? What am I doing? What is my responsibility in this? You know, because every thought and action that we have, say and do, causes an effect. And we're all suffering for the actions of other people and also our own thoughts. But I do not believe it's the end of the world, as a lot of people think it's going to be. It won't be. Life goes on. We've been here for billions of years. This is not going to going to stop the world from going around, not going to stop the earth from spinning. This is the time for us to reflect and God's trying to let us know and give us warnings, but not many people are listening. Why are some people so cruel and evil? What happened to them as a child? What happened to their father and their father and their father? Mm. The sins of the father are carried down for seven generations seven generations and so it's very hard to debrief a lot of people with their stuff the only thing we can do the best thing and the most powerful thing we can do for anybody is to pray for them and again I don't mean on your knees running to church and praying for an hour just just send them love send them love Put love out into the world. Do your bit. Be kind to your neighbour. Love your neighbour. And every little bit of bit that we do will affect what's happening around the world because it's all energy. As we prepare to wrap up, I was wondering if you can tell us a little about what life looks like for you today, What it, what's in your thoughts, What's what you're passionate about at the moment. Well, my life today is like everyone else's at the moment in lockdown. <laughs> 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 I'm in lockdown at the moment so but um yes my purpose is to eventually when life gets back to normal is to go on the speaking circuit and talk about my book God's messages and to get try and get the word out somehow some way and um uh, right now there's not much I can do until things you know 
move forward regarding the coronavirus and um, and then I'm able to do something. You know, at the moment I'm sort of stuck, but um, when I say stuck, I'm reflecting and I'm asking, you know, mm. what is the answer to this and what do I do about this for me personally? What can I reflect on and what can I do better? Yes, waiting to get my book out there is my next move. God's Messages, the publication has been somewhat thwarted by this coronavirus. And so from our earlier conversation, Sonia, you're looking to get it out as an e-book at some point, but that's so that's still kind of in progress. I was wondering if, you know, if you wanted to offer a way for listeners to get in contact with you to to find out more about when, when that book will be published or how they can access it. Well, they could contact me through Facebook or via my email address, and then I can let them know what's happening with the ebook. Would you like to share your email address now? Yes, it's Sonia, S O N I A dot S C for St. Clary at bigpond.net.au. Great. Great. That's fantastic. So any um, anyone who's listening who would like to know more about God's messages and perhaps about your earlier book too can get in touch with you yes. at that email address. And, they can. and I'd like to end by just I'm thinking about at the beginning of our conversation, the girl in the locker, the very harrowing experiences of deepest suffering that you and your sister endured in childhood. I'm thinking about any audience member now who's listening, who's going through either a reckoning of their own or they're coming to terms with this, with suffering that they may have experienced. Do you have any advice for them as to what they can do to, to begin to heal? The best thing that I can say, I certainly can't tell them what to do. I know what they're feeling, but the best thing I can say to them is please know that you are worthy. You are worthy of more. Uh, None of this was your fault. And you are worthy to have a lot more in your life and that you are loved. And please know that I know it's hard to tell people to forgive and move on, that seems rather cold, but forgiveness does help. And somehow, some way, I hope you find the strength to heal your broken heart. And I understand what you're going through. And I send you divine love and peace and wish you all the best. Thank you for that, Sonia. And is there anything else you'd like to add before we hang up today? No, I think... Um, I think I've pretty much said it all, but I, I just um, just want people to know that, um, you know, everyone in this world deserving and worthy. There's a lot of people feel they're unworthy and undeserving. I've met a lot of people like that. They do not feel of any value. I just want people to know that you are valued, you are worthy, and you are loved. Thank you very much for joining us on Spirit Sisters today, Sonia, and I um, I wish you all the best on behalf of all our listeners as well and we'll be looking forward to to hearing more about, you know, what else comes from um, you finding this, this lovely purpose of yours and hitting the speaking circuit perhaps when all of this is over. So thank you very much, Sonia. Thank you, Karina. Thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.